This morning I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Ezekiel chapter uh, 3. And uh, as you're turning there, um, let's think back. Last week we started this series called Strangest Things because we're looking at the book of Ezekiel, uh, which is a weird and yet wonderful book. It's got some strange things, but some powerful things that translate to us in our everyday walk with the Lord. And so last week we looked at chapter 1 and we found Ezekiel on his 30th birthday sitting on the banks of the Kibar River where he was in exile. He was basically in a refugee camp 700 miles away from his home as he looked back Uh, towards the west, as he looked back towards Jerusalem, here he was 700 miles away in Babylon where he had been exiled. And here he was on his 30th birthday, the day which he would officially have been a priest and, and given that highest standing as officially finishing all the training and serving the Lord in the temple. Instead, he had been in exile in a refugee camp. And so on that day in which he was probably uh, regretting his life and and bemoaning the circumstance of his life, the Bible says that the Lord uh, God, the hand of God, came upon him in a strong way. And he sees this vision. And in that vision, he saw these four creatures that had four wings. They had four heads, an ox, an eagle, a man, I forget the other one. But anyway, he had a bunch of heads there. They were, uh, there was a platform above them. There were wheels beneath them. And the Bible says there were wheels within wheels where it could go any way, back, forward, whatever, side to side. On top of all that, there was God himself uh, appeared in the form of a man. But all of this was in brilliant radiance and fire and glory. And this amazing appearance of the glory of the Lord uh, appeared to him. And we talked about what all that, uh, what all that was meant to be, what, what it was all about. And at the end of that chapter, he hears the voice of the Lord, and he falls down on his face to listen. Then in chapter 2, which is kind of background for our message, uh, we won't read it, but in chapter 2, basically God starts speaking, and he says, all right, I've got a job for you. You you were upset that you didn't have this job that you wanted. You're not going to be a priest. I got a different job for you. You're going to be a prophet. And by the way, it is a a great job, um, but let me just fill you in on the details. I'm going to let you preach to people who aren't going to listen. And they're going to be rebellious, and they're going to be stubborn, and, and, and they're going to not go along with anything you say because they've rebelled against me. So, that of course, they're going to rebel against you if you're just sharing what I've told you to share. And um, basically, that is your job. And, uh, you know, he gives them this joyful news. And he says, don't be worried. Don't be afraid. You know, you cannot give in to them. He said, they're going to threaten you. And it's going to seem like you're surrounded by thorns and thistles, these murderous, vengeful people who don't want to hear what you have to say. You see, because he could have been a false prophet and everything would have been easy because he would have proclaimed a message of, oh, God's happy with you. Everything is going to turn out just right. And people would have patted him on the back and said, thank you, Brother Ezekiel. That makes me feel so much better today. And everybody would have hugged his neck and kissed his cheek and things would have been great. 
But God says, in fact, you're to look at these people and you're to say, you're rebellious, you've turned from me, you're not walking in the way that you need to walk, and therefore there's some bad stuff ahead for you. It's not about to get better overnight. Just because you're my people, just because you're believers, just because you're God's people, that doesn't mean that everything's all of a sudden going to turn out all right. And so this frank message which people didn't want to listen to because it was a hard message. This is what God gave him. And a hand comes out to him. And it says, before this hand comes out, God says, open your mouth and eat what I'm about to give you. And a hand comes forth from the presence of God, and there is a scroll. And he takes this scroll and he opens it up, and there are words of doom and destruction and mourning on this scroll. And that sets up what we're going to, the passage we're going to look at, which is chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 14. So would you stand with me, please? Or 1 through 15. Stand with me as we read these verses. And this is the voice of God here. The voice said to me, Son of man, eat what I am about, what I am giving you. Eat this scroll. Then go and give its message to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he fed me the scroll. Fill your stomach with this, he said. And when I ate it, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. And then he said, Son of man, go to the people of Israel and give them my messages. I am not sending you to a foreign people whose language you cannot understand. No, I am not sending you to people with strange and difficult speech. If I did, they would listen. But the people of Israel won't listen to you any more than they listen to me. The whole lot of them are hard-hearted and stubborn. But look, I have made you as obstinate and hard-hearted as they are. I've made your forehead as hard as the hardest rock. So don't be afraid of them or fear their angry looks, even though they're rebels. Then he said, Son of man, let all my words sink deep into your own heart first. Listen to them carefully for yourself. Then go to your people in exile and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Do this whether they listen or not. Then the Spirit lifted me up and I heard a loud rumbling sound behind me. May the glory of the Lord be praised in his place. It was the sound of the wings of the living beings as they brushed against each other and the rumbling of their wheels beneath them. The Spirit lifted me up and took me away. I went in bitterness and turmoil, but the Lord's hold on me was strong. Then I came to the colony of Judean exiles in Tel Aviv beside the Kibar River. I was overwhelmed and sat among them for seven days. Let us pray. Father God, I pray that you would take this experience of Ezekiel and Lord that you would use it in our lives to prepare us so that we may walk through the difficult days that come our ways. God, we pray and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What do you do in life when God sets a bitter task in front of you? When he sets a difficulty, a hardship, a sorrow or a sadness, an overwhelming challenge, any of those things. And it could be something, a broken relationship through death or divorce. It can be a health issue. It can be something within your family. It can be finances, whatever it is. But you're going through 
or you're about to go through, when you face that kind of circumstance, what do you do when God does what he did to uh, Ezekiel? And he handed him a scroll with words of doom and destruction and turmoil and said, here, chew on this. Chew on this. What do you do when you're faced with a difficult You know this is not going to be all joy and giggles. This is going to be a tough time in front of you. What should you expect? I want us to see four things this morning that we can look at from Ezekiel and and realize what we can expect from God because there's something deeper here. I mean, we could just look at this story and we could sum it up in two sentences and say, hey, God gave uh, Ezekiel a really bad job. (laughs) You know, okay, I mean, technically it's greater. I mean, he was going to be just an ordinary average priest, and here he's going to be a prophet that writes a book of the Bible. But man, the hardship that he was going to go through. God gave him a really difficult job and told him, don't fear, don't give up. You know, here's, here's your job. And he got really upset and angry and overwhelmed by it. I mean, we could summarize that chapter in that way, and, and, and that wouldn't be giving us too much. But that's not really focusing on what God is wanting to say to us in this. He's wanting us to see something of himself. God is revealing himself to us in this passage. Through Ezekiel's experience, we can understand how God will show up in our lives through our difficult experiences. Number one, God will bless you in the midst of your troubles. God will bless you in the midst of your troubles. God wants us to understand that even when we face hardships and difficulties and trials, that he's going to show up in unexpected ways, and he's going to bring blessings that you could not have imagined in that hardship. That's what the, you know, that that thing's all about, this this visual image. I have a, um, I, I guess it's a confession to make. Now, it's a confession of my childhood years, so I think I can be forgiven. Um, But I have to confess that as an elementary age boy, I was rather obsessed with spitballs. I mean, I was kind of the king of spitballs. I just, it was just fun, you know, because you could hit people with them and gross them out. And the best thing is if you could kind of hide it and they didn't know who did it and they turned around and they were all, I don't know. It was just, you know, I never did anything all that bad, but that was my little form of rebellion, I guess, with the spitballs. And You know, for me, spitballs were just kind of an ordinary part of my elementary school life. And but then my older brother introduced me to something called a pressure shooter. And this revolutionized my elementary spitball experience. Instead of merely chewing on some big wad of paper and throwing that spitball, he taught me how he It was almost weaponizing a spitball. I mean, it was kind of amazing. You took one of those old big pins, you know, the kind that get narrow at the end, and you take all the guts out of them, and then there's a little hole in those big pins. You got to put some tape over it because that keeps the pressure inside. And then you take an old coat hanger, okay? It's a process, all right? Get, Get this straight. You take an old coat hanger and you make a ramrod out of this coat hanger, okay? And so you get your first spitball. And you push it all the way to the front of that big pin with the ramrod, okay? And you get it good and tight. And so it's there at the end. It's not going to just plop right out real easy. And then you chew you another spitball, an even bigger and better one. And you put it in the back. 
and you shove that ramrod for it, and the pressure in there shoots that thing out. It's like a spitball pellet gun. It's amazing what you can do with these spitballs. And not only was it gross like a normal spitball, it actually kind of stung. I mean, pow! I mean, it was just awesome, okay? So I confess, I, I kind of love spitballs. Now, why did I tell you all of that? Um, is there a reason? Yes, there is a reason. I told you all that because... As much as I enjoyed the spitballs, I never enjoyed the process of making the spitball. Because no matter what type of paper I chewed on, it was always bitter. It was always gross. It was always yuck. I did it because I knew I'd get through the yucky paper-chewing stuff to get to the spitball I wanted. God surprised Ezekiel here when he gave him this scroll full of doom and turmoil and destruction, and he expected it to be just as bitter as the words on the page. But instead, the Bible says when he took that scroll and he ate it, I mean, can you imagine this, Ezekiel? Even if you're in a vision, this has got to seem weird. God says, eat this, and you're crumbling up this scroll, and you're bracing yourself for it to be so nasty. And instead, you eat it, and it's the greatest dessert that you've ever tasted it is sweet like honey. And God is letting Ezekiel understand that, yes, Ezekiel, I have given you a very hard task. And God doesn't pretend otherwise. He doesn't say, oh, it's going to be a dream job. He says, I'm going to send you to, a, to really tough, rebellious people. But he wants him to know that there's going to be unexpected blessings. There's going to be places where God pushes through the darkness, where he shows up and he brings sweetness even in the midst of bitter circumstances that you're facing. We need to know that about God. He'll bless you in the midst of your trouble. Secondly, God will equip you for your task. God, uh, where God guides, God always provides. If God calls you to go through a season of life that is difficult, then guess what? God is working, has been working, and is currently working in your life to ready you, to prepare you to face that season. And God will give you whatever gifts, uh, whatever, whatever you need to face that, God will give it to you. Can you do it on your own? No. But with God's help, you can face it, even though it may be tough and it may be difficult. God is going to prepare you. Now, how did he do this to Ezekiel? For Ezekiel, he said, I'm about to send you to minister to some really um, blockheads. I mean, they are hard-headed. They are stiff-necked. They are obstinate. And guess what? I'm going to make you just as obstinate and ornery as they are. Now, did you know that stubbornness could be a spiritual gift? So, some of you guys are looking at your spouse like, I finally know what her gift is. And she's thinking the same thing about you. And you know, uh, you may be thinking that about your teenagers or they're thinking that about their parents. But in this case, unlike those stubborn and obstinate Israelites who wouldn't listen to God's message here, rather than being hardened against God and his word, he said, I'm going to make you hard against their threats and complaints. He said, I'm going to make your, your face as, as hard as stone or as flint. You're going to be just as stubborn. That was the equipping that he needs, <laughs> that he needed. But in your situation and your circumstance, 
you may not know what you need. You know, you think, I need rescue from this. God, I need you to pull this. I need to wake up and this all be a bad dream. Or I need you to just instantly pull me out of this difficult and hard situation that I'm in. And that's what we would like because we'd like God to be a form of magic. It's a hocus pocus. We say the right words and we get our way. But the worship of God is not magic. It is submission and surrendering to God's will. And it is looking to see what he has for us, accepting he's put this thing, this circumstance, this issue, this problem in our life right now. And how are we going to face it in a way that honors him? And God says, I'll always equip you. I'll always give you what you need to face the situation that is in front of you. And so that's what we need to look for. We need to say, God, how can I honor you? What are you giving me? What are you teaching me so that I can walk through this hardship in a way that honors and blesses your name? Third, God will change you if you let him. God will change you if you let him. You see, it was not only the rest of the Israelites that needed changing. We like to think, oh, everybody else, God needed to get a hold of them. My life would be so much better if God got a, changed her heart, if God made him different. See, everybody else, we want God to change, right? But God wants to change us. He may or may not change the circumstances and the people around us, but he definitely wants to change us. He, he, he wants, see, all sorts of things in a life, we live in a life full of change. I don't care whether you're young or you're old. We talk about older people resisting change. Look, check out a toddler. Try to get him out of his routine. He doesn't like change, okay? All of us get stuck, and, and we don't like change, and we resist it. But God says things are going to change and happen in your life whether you like it or not. But guess what? I can change you for the better if you'll work with me. There's an old saying that says, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. I love that. Change is inevitable, but growth is optional. You cannot control the world around you and the situations and the circumstances that come up. There's nothing that you can do about most of them. But you can control whether God will be able to work in your life and change you and more like Jesus. You can cooperate with him or you can be hard-hearted and resist against him. What God said to Ezekiel is, those words that you're chewing on, he said, let them sink deeply within you. And I want you to really think about them and really ponder them and really let them impact you before you ever go out and preach them. The idea was, it's not just them out there that needs to change. You need to change. And whether or not they ever listen... You need to listen. You need to let go of any sin in your life. It may not be what caused the circumstance you're in right now. It, it might have not been you personally, Ezekiel, who were so rebellious and led to this exile. But yet, you are not innocent of rebellion against me. You have places in your own life. And he said, deeply savor and take in that message before you preach it to others. I want to change you, Ezekiel. Whether anybody else will change or not, you work with me. Fourth and finally, God will not let go of you. You can rage and you can rebel and you can throw tantrums and hissy fits all you want. 
But if you are a child of God, God will not let go of you. Through your tears, through your questions, through your accusations, through whatever you're facing, God has a hold on you. You see, the last couple of verses that we read, he said, I went in the strong bitterness of my spirit, in bitterness and in turmoil, but God's hand was on me, and he carried me. Somehow, we often don't believe the Bible. We believe some sanitized children's version of the Bible or something. I don't know what what kind of version of it, but we believe in this version of the Bible where everybody who's a good Christian, who's a good believer, never gets sad at anything, and, and, and everything just goes their way. No, 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 no. The Bible is full of tragedy and hardship that people face over and over. And how do these people respond? They respond in very realistic ways. Yes, there's a lot of people of faith. There's a lot of people of non-faith, of disbelief. But a lot of times, even those people of faith, the Bible records them asking their questions and throwing their doubts and, and saying, God, I don't get it, and God, I'm angry. If you doubt what I'm saying, please read the book of Job. Please read the book of Psalms. Go through and see what some of the greatest men of faith, how they struggled through prayer. But you know what? They prayed. They didn't quit talking to God. Their talks with God might have not been a nice little polite tea time conversation. That Everything was, was just so settled and nice. No, it was anguished conversation. There were times when David, as a psalmist, said, Praise the Lord, O my soul. You're my rock. And there was other times where he said, God, where are you? I don't see you in this, God. Where are you? And it's okay. It's okay. Because God is bigger than your fear and then your anger and your doubt and your worries. God is bigger than all of that. And no matter how much you wiggle and squirm and throw a fit, God's hand, his hold on you is strong. Just like his hold on Ezekiel was. And God is going to take care of you. What do we see in all this? If I had to sum it up, that God's going to bless us in the midst of our troubles and our trials, that he's going to equip us, that he's going to change us, that he's going to not let go of us. If I had to put this all together in one little thing, it's that God will be with you. He may have set you on a difficult path, but he has not abandoned you to that path. What did we just sing? I know who stands behind me. I know who goes before. The God of angel armies is on my side. And so when you walk through that valley of the shadow of death or the shadow of divorce or the shadow of family problems or the shadow of financial problems or of health difficulties, or of dreams that have been broken. Whatever the shadow that you are walking through right now, your shepherd, the Lord our God, 
is with you. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. In fact, he will bless you. He will equip you. He will change you. And he will hold you through whatever you face in life. Pray with me. Father God, I, I want to lift up our congregation because I know that in here today, there's not just a handful. Lord, I would actually say there's dozens probably of people in here that right now are facing some struggle, some stress about something that's upgoing or something that's happened in the past that's affecting them to this day. God, it, we walk in a real world that has really been touched by sin and darkness and sorrow. But God, you haven't abandoned us to this world by ourselves. God, you're with us. And so I pray that every man, woman, boy, or girl in this place who's worried or scared or sorrowful or frustrated or angry, God, that they would turn all those emotions and they would look to you. They would honestly come to you. They would understand, God, you're big enough for their questions. You may not answer them this side of heaven, but you can hear their questions and you are with them. Help us all to look to you in our times of trouble. Father, bless now this invitation as we seek to surrender ourselves to you. One more day, like you tell us every single day that we're to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow you. May we do that again today. In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. Amen. If you need prayer or have a public decision to make, I'll be down front to receive you, to pray with you, or maybe you simply need to kneel and pray before the Lord. If there is a burden on your heart and you've been carrying it and you haven't given it to him, give it to him. If you gave it to the Lord and you've taken it back and it's built up and weighed you down again, give it back to him. Do whatever God is calling you to do in this time. Would you stand with me?